everyone. Good to see you all. And welcome if you're watching us online. Welcome. Good to see you too, though I can't really see you. All right. I'd like to show you a picture of where my husband and I met. So here is a picture of um, where we met. All right, so we met on a missionary ship called the MV Dulos many, many years ago. This was taken on Christmas Day 2001. <sighs> I know. Um, how many of you were alive then? Oh, that's so good. Half the room. Very good. Now, I'd like you to do something which is impossible. I'd like you to try and find Tim in that picture. Oops. Can we find Tim in that picture? My husband. That's my husband. He's bald. Now, you're all wrong because it's impossible to find him. He's there. Look, next slide. He is right there. See? <laughs> now... Try and find me. In the picture. <laughs> Try and find me. All right. Right at the top. Yes. Yes, there I am. We weren't legally allowed to date by the ship standard at that point, so we couldn't be together physically. Um, so we were part of the MV Dulos, which was a missionary ship, and we traveled from port to port selling books. So that was the excuse to get into every port, and then every port we would send teams onto the street to share the gospel, but also come alongside churches to um, run programs, to speak, to encourage people. And the whole point was to bring the message of Jesus wherever we went. And on board the ship, we would work for five days a week in a department, and then um, uh, one day a week we would go on, ministry, uh, on a ministry day, on teams, and then one day a week we would rest. I worked in the galley, which was the kitchen, and my whole, I was only on there for eight weeks, while Tim was on there for four years. Um, I spent the whole eight weeks peeling either onions or potatoes. And if you think <laughs> being a missionary is glamorous, well, it is on that one day of ministry day. The rest of the time, it's peeling potatoes and onions. One afternoon, I remember I was peeling one of the above-mentioned stuff, and, um, and then I felt the ship kind of tilt. That was because everyone had run to one side of the ship, and because we are like sheep, we all ran, I ran too, to the one side of the ship to see what was happening. And we peered out, and we saw the most glorious side of this cruise ship coming into port right next to us. It was big, it was glorious, it was luxurious, it was incredible. And we went, oh my goodness, you know, and um, we were little, they were big. And the Dulas was built in 1914, so a long time ago. And the head of the galley uh, in the cruise ship said to the head of the galley in our ship, hey, would you and your crew like to come and visit our ship? And of course we were like, sure, yeah. And we were like, try not to look like country bumpkins, okay? Bring out your best clothes. So we wore our best clothes and we went onto the cruise ship and we were like country bumpkins. It was this most luxurious hotel at sea. It was awesome. And then they took us to see the bridge where you drove the ship. It was like Star Trek. It was incredible. And then they took us to see the galley 
galley. And it was 20 times the size of our galley. But look, they had like 10 restaurants, okay? So they needed a big galley. Through all of that, we were really amazed. And, but I felt an emptiness as I was on that ship. I was like, oh, what is this nagging feeling of emptiness? And then they started telling us about their policies with staffing. They said that if two staff members, two crew members, have an argument with each other, it doesn't matter who is right and who is wrong, they'll get sent home right away, fired. Because so many people want to come onto the ship to work, doesn't matter, we can lose you. And um, they, they're on the ship, there's a lot going on, they have no time for disputes. And I was like, oh, that's very different from our ship. Because a week prior to that, something pretty dramatic had happened um, on our ship. So, <clears throat> so I went, I had been on a three-day trip with our team. There were about eight of us on that team. And um, it was three days of ministering, visiting churches, doing programs. It was exciting, except one of the teammates was a pain in the butt. He, I, now, this was a very long time ago. I'm sure he's not like that anymore, okay? But he was a real pain in the butt. And then on the last day, we had to take the bus for five hours to get back to the ship, right? And then we told him, the bus will come anytime. Don't walk anywhere. Stay here. And he was the oldest guy on the team. Like, but he walked everywhere, gallivanting everywhere, and then the, the bus came. So we, oh, I'm sure he'll come back. So we took his bag, and we went out to the bus, and the bus left. We left him. Somehow, this was kind of, mobile phones was a very new thing then. Somehow, some, we managed to get him back onto the ship on another bus, but he was mad. He was very, very mad. The next shift we had in the galley, we may have had an, a very loud argument, and it might have been a bit dramatic with five people shouting at the same time, me being one of them. And I may or may not have thrown onions at people. <laughs> and um, at that stage, I, uh, our personnel manager took us all into the um, counseling room. And we sat down, and he had to mediate and counseled us like a parent, you know, with a bunch of teenagers who were fighting with each other. And, and I was like, wow, that's a very different experience from the cruise ship, isn't it? Why? That's because on the doulos, we believe in community. We believe in God's family and that we are never meant to do life or ministry alone. Sandy has started us off on this series two weeks ago and then today, and she said, we is better than me. And I love that. We is better than me. We are on this series now called Paul and His Co-Workers. So who was Paul? Now, Paul was a highly educated Jew, or they call him a Pharisee, and he hated Christians, absolutely hated Christians. He went around arresting Christians, trying to get them killed. And in fact, he was on a missionary trip to arrest Christians. And, um, and it was on that trip that she enc he encountered Jesus and his whole life was turned around. This once murderer is now forgiven, accepted, loved, and he's now on a different mission. Now Paul was going around telling everybody about Jesus and helping them become Christians. This Christian hater has become a Christian evangelist, disciple maker, missionary, and teacher, and he was fearless. Later on in Acts 20, he said, 
My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the, the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus Christ, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. We're going to look at Acts 15 and 16 tonight, and we're going to look at Paul going on his second missionary journey to tell people about Jesus, to make disciples. And you know what? Paul did not go alone on this trip. He could have gone alone, but he didn't because we are never meant to do life alone. We're never meant to do ministry alone, and we is better than me. So he chose a teammate. Um, he chose a guy called Silas. So who is Silas? I'm now going to invite Paris to come and share, talk to us a little bit about who Silas is. Paris, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Winnie. Thank you. Yeah, I was really excited. I actually, when you asked me, I was like, oh, Silas. Um, yeah, I don't know him too well. So it was really awesome to use this time to study. Um, straight off the bat, we actually can know who, what, thought, what Paul thought of Silas, whom I regard as a good and faithful brother. That was what Paul said about Silas in 1 Peter 5. We can dig a bit more deeper about Silas, who he was. What we do know is he was a Jew, he was a prophet, and he was a faithful companion to Paul. We can look further into Acts 15. At the very beginning, we are introduced to his first name drop, Silas, is when the elders and prophets are choosing who among the men already should be leaders among the brothers. We know that Judas and Silas are chosen to then journey to Antinoch and build up this congregation of Antinoch. So they go, and it says actually in that verse, that, verse 32, and Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encourage and strengthen the brothers with many words. Right there, we see a small glimpse into the character of Silas, someone who left himself there and went and built up this, built up this church that he didn't know, he didn't step into before, but that was what he had been called to do. The word also tells us that he was a prophet. We also know that there are some requirements. You don't just fall into that gig. It's not something you just put your hand up for. He was chosen to be a prophet. I'm going to say a few little qualities that I found in the Word while studying this, and then I'll just say the chapter I found it in, so you're welcome to go and find that for yourself. So one of the qualities was that, obviously, they had to be loyal to God. This is found in Deuteronomy 12, Deuteronomy 13, sorry, and then in Numbers 12, it is also found that you should be close to God, that you should know God to be a prophet. One of the other qualities as well was that his prophecies should come to pass. If you're a prophet, yeah, that's probably a high one, isn't it? That's in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel 3. And lastly, is that he's prepared and most likely will be persecuted. And that one's found in the New Testament, Matthew 23. See, these are qualities we can trust that we know Silas had. He was a prophet. Further down, um, I can, I'm sure that many of those reasons were why Paul loved his companionship, why he loved to be with Silas. Um, he, we find that, yes, he chose Silas to continue that mission. He said in, in verse 40, but Paul chose Silas and departed. No one else fit the bill. It was Silas that he wanted on his team. And this makes way into an extraordinary event for both of the men. While they were on their travels, they make their way to Philippi. Phil Philippi. <laughs> and they meet a girl who's pestering them for days. We find out that Paul casts a demon out of this girl who's been used for profit by her owners as a fortune teller. 
After this happens, they realize that their wealth is gone in a flash. This causes an uproar in this city. They are dragged to the marketplace, they are ridiculed, and they're told that they are advocating unlawful customs and disturbing the city by helping a girl. They are then brutally beaten, brutally beaten and attacked, thrown in prison, and not just prison, like the cells, the deepest, darkest part of the dungeon shackles on their feet as ordered by the magistrates. Further on, we read that during the night, Paul and Silas were rejoicing. After being brutally beaten and attacked, they chose to rejoice, pray, and sing hymns to their God, the one that put them in this situation, it felt like. We can also read that while every prisoner was listening, an earthquake shook the foundations of this prison. Every door swung open and every shackle unlocked. To their demise, the jailer awoke in absolute distraught. He's probably going to lose his job, you'd say, wouldn't you? He's meant to keep it secure. Uh, not very secure when the doors are open. In this time, we find that Paul and Silas actually ministered to him shared the gospel and saved his life for eternity. But not just that, he also went to their home, both of them together, shared the gospel together and to his family, saving all of them, ending the night the way they had started in the prison, rejoicing to their God. This series of events speaks absolute magnitudes of where their heart must have been, especially Silas. Their hearts must have been so ready and on God to obey every single instruction, regardless of the situation it put them in, near death beaten. We know that Paul's faith, well, I believe that Paul's faith and Silas's faith in God and their unity together as one created the exact reaction that God intends for each of us in our own personal relationships with each other. We know that God is a God of unity. We know that God created us to need one another and to need God, to need him. We know that because what does it do? It produces strength. It produces oneness. And I, I immediately think of Philippians 2, verse 2. So be of, to then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same, same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. Not two, trying to merge one. Silas was open-minded, trusting in God, ready to rejoice at any moment, and he honored Paul's leadership. He wasn't trying to get to the top. He wasn't trying to be better than Paul. He understood where God had placed him and the skills that he had been given. See, when I think of Silas, if I was to give him a life, life verse, I would probably say 1 Peter 5 verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. That's immediately what I think of when I think of Silas now. What I hope you get from this is that Silas wasn't a tag-along. He wasn't a bystander or someone to hold Paul's bag. He was a faithful man, a prophet, a preacher, who loved and operated in the love for Christ, and he was led and did what God instructed him to do. So, I believe, from personal, experience, from personal beliefs and studying Silas, is that Paul's story probably could have been very different if it wasn't for that community and that brothership that they shared. So next time maybe you feel like a, a background character or that you're living in someone else's shadows, 
remember the man named Silas, because above else, I believe he heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you. Harris, how good was that? Oh. So now we're going to zoom in and look at some of these stories that Paris mentioned. Mission. What's mission? If you've been around church circle, you will have heard this word. Now, Paul and Silas had started their journey, their second missionary journey, and this is what happened. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Luke was writing this. That means Luke was actually with Paul and Silas as well. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace, and the next day we landed at Neopolis. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. Mission means send. A missionary is someone sent on a religious mission, especially one sent to promote Christianity in a foreign context. So Paul and Silas, they were on a mission trip. Much like us on the Dulos, we were also on a mission trip. Mine was shorter, Tim's was much longer. And we had one job to do, to share the good news, to make disciples. So what happened in Philippi? Um, when they got to Philippi, what was the first thing they did? On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guest. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. This is dream come true for any missionary. <laughs> People receiving Jesus, getting baptized, free accommodation, free food. This was awesome. But just like life, all mission trips don't go smoothly all the time. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. She earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God and have come to tell you how to be saved. It's kind of helpful, right, her message? Except, imagine, following you and shouting the whole time while you're trying to share the gospel and... The source of where she got that isn't from God, it's demonic. So this went on day after day, and Paul got so exasperated. I know what that feels like. I have two little girls at home shouting all the time too. That he turned, I don't do that to my little girls. He turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and instantly it left her. Uh-oh, her master's hope of wealth was now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas, dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is, an, is, an, is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. 
a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped. Okay? So don't forget that part. They got stripped. That means your clothes got taken off, beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten. Have you been severely beaten before? I've been beaten once, and it's not nice. And they were thrown into prison. That has never happened to me before. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. They weren't criminals, but that's what happened to me, to them, not me, them. Now, <laughs> better not claim such stuff. Now, that sucked. Not a very nice part of the mission trip. Did you know that sometimes when we obey God, things don't always go very well with us? We need to pay the price for our obedience to God. Some of, most of the apostles ended up dying. Jesus says we must carry our cross and follow him. So why is team so important? Severely beaten and put in prison. Now, Silas wasn't just an intern that carried Paul's bag. Okay, he was a prophet, and he encouraged and strengthened the faith of others. I imagine that Paul and Silas must have been encouraging each other. Because it says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, and chains of every prisoner fell off. Now, that had never happened to Paul and Silas before. This was a first. So Paul and Silas experienced God together. So as team, we don't just experience pain together and encourage each other. We experience God together. Ultimately, it's not all about the mission. Yes, the mission is important. But it's about helping each other grow in our relationship with God. Do you know that God doesn't just use you to grow a ministry? God uses the ministry to grow you together. He uses the ministry as an opportunity for us to grow together. Hopefully that won't happen for us in prison. But, okay? Um, the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed that the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself because actually they would be executed if the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Now, Paul and Silas were very godly people because I wouldn't have done what Paul did. I would have punched him in the nose first and then talk later. But... He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Instead of punching him, instead of running away, never mind, you can die, we'll run. You know, they replied, they stayed. And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. They saw an opportunity. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. They saw an opportunity. When they could have saved their own skin, they shared the gospel instead. 
Did you know that you don't have to wait until you're overseas or in prison for opportunities like this to come up? They are everywhere. You have opportunities like this all the time. Um, Anna Van Strelen, one of our Young Adults Connect leaders, I love her so much, she is finishing her PhD in arts. And imagine doing a PhD in arts, being a Christian. It's not easy. And it's easier to just kind of lay under the radar and slip through and get your PhD, right? But she wasn't going to do that. She was going to use that opportunity to share the gospel with everyone, including her supervisors. Was that always popular? Uh-uh. No, not popular. And with her colleagues in the art faculty. Popular? No. But she did it. She would listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. She'd written cards to them with God's messages in them. She'd prayed for them. She'd shared with them. She had followed the prompting of God to invite one of them to church. And you know what? I get to be her Silas. We meet every Friday morning to pray, and she would tell me how they're going with, you know, how she's going with each one, and I would be praying for them, and, and it is so exciting, and she inspires me so much that she just seizes all these opportunities, even if it means that she wouldn't, that even if it means that it's not popular, and it affects her PhD, she's going to do it. I love it. I love being her Silas. So the result of this mission trip of Paul and Silas, the church in Philippi was founded. So I imagine who were the first members of this church? If you remember with me, Lydia and the family, the prison guard and the family, maybe the slave girl, maybe the onlookers, um, maybe the other prison guards or the other prisoners. And later, Paul wrote a letter in the Bible called uh, Philippians to this church, encouraging them, and they were a fantastic church. What about these two men? What had happened to them during this mission trip? What were the results? They have experienced God more together, and they've grown in their relationship and trust in God more, and they've grown in friendship with each other. I imagine them with a beer later in life, but it didn't happen. You know, it, in alternate reality, they would have gone, hey, remember when, you know, the doors all flew open, shackles all fell? Yeah, yeah, good times. All right. So what does this mean for us? Maybe you are here or you're watching online. You're not yet a follower of Jesus. I want you to know that Jesus went on the most epic mission trip of all time, from heaven to earth, and to die on the cross for you because he loves you. Will you open your heart to him tonight? You don't have to understand everything yet. You can just say to him, God, I invite you into my life. Show me. Show me yourself. Dorothy talked about this last week. God, if you are true and you are real, show yourself to me. Um, some of you here, you have a call to be a missionary. When you listen to me talk about the doulas, when you hear people doing missions overseas, your heart kind of races a little bit. You, you know, you, you get a little bit excited. And I just want to recommend that you don't brush it off. Um, Wayne and Janet Carrison, pillars of our church, one of the pillars of our church, love them dearly. They spent four and a half years in their early years in Papua New Guinea. 
And I'm actually reading a book that Wayne wrote of their experience while they were there. And over dinner, we were, I asked them, tell me, tell me about your time in Papua New Guinea. And Janet looked at me. In my, she just looked at me and she said, it was a tough time, but I have never felt more fulfilled in my whole life. When you have a call and you step into it, it will be indescribably fulfilling. So pray. Pray about uh, missions if God's calling you and research. Let God lead you to the right mission. And here at Door of Hope, we run what we call heart plunge trips. They are like short-term missions that give you a taste, that help you see where God is leading you. Next year, youth and young adults, God willing, we, we are trying to organize a heart plunge trip, so watch this space, okay? Now, not all of us are called to be missionaries, but we can be silences to the missionaries. Missionaries, most missionaries don't, don't have a salary, so they need financial support. They also need prayer support, and they need a lot of care. My husband and I spent uh, five years recently in Malaysia um, on mission, and it was tough. At the end of the, so we had a, we, we were very blessed by a lot of, well, a small group of people actually praying for us, journeying very closely with us. There is this couple that, were journeying so closely with us, they knew everything that was happening in our lives at any given time. We were always texting, we were always praying, and two years into the five years, I was ready to quit. I wrote the resignation, actually I was writing the resignation letter, I was done. It was hard, like Janet said, it was hard. I was done, I couldn't do it anymore. And then this couple just very gently asked me, have you finished everything God called you to do there? No, I hadn't. <laughs> and if it weren't for them, I would have given up. So be that for the missionaries on the field. Here at Door of Hope, we also have missionaries that we journey alongside with. Find out who they are and what they do and support them. Paul and Silas were fearless missionaries, disciple makers, teachers, evangelists. You can be too. But do it together in community. Don't ever do it alone, because we are never meant to do life or ministry alone. We is better than me. Let me pray. God, I want to pray for anyone watching this who is not yet in a relationship with you, but their hearts are stirring, they're curious, and they want to know more. Lord, would you just come and minister to them? If that's you, just say, Jesus, Come, come into my life and show me who you are. For those with a missionary call, Father, I just pray that you lead them. I pray that you take them on an epic journey. And Father, I pray for all the rest of us that we will support those on missions. And Lord, for every one of us that we will seize all opportunities around us just like Anna does that we will do that like Paul and Silas when we see an opportunity. Despite our bus busyness or despite things, bad things that could happen to us, that we will seize those opportunities and share your love and make disciples. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.